The Holistic Counseling Podcast is part of the practice of the Practice Network, a network of podcasts seeking to help you market and grow your business and yourself. To hear other podcasts like Behind the Bite, Full of Shift, and Impact Driven Leader, go to www.practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Welcome to the Holistic Counseling Podcast, where you discover diverse wellness modalities, advice on growing your integrative practice, and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome back to the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so excited for you to hear from today's guest and to learn more about her holistic program. Dr. Allison JK has secrets no one else uses to upgrade, inspire, and disrupt old paradigms within her community and the collective. She's an award-winning number one international best-selling author and founder of the Vibrational Upgrade System. She's an experienced subtle energies practitioner, a natural healer with a holistic approach towards helping others thrive in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Allison. Hi, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm so glad that you can join us. So I wonder what your journey's been. So what interested you in going in the holistic route? Uh, I could start way back. Well, first I was born. Going way back. (laughs) Mom at like age 12 was sitting on a swing out in our backyard and said, you're really good with people. You have this natural understanding. You should consider being a son. Okay. (laughs) My mother knew me and it was one of those intuitive moments. So that was my first major in college. And when I was in my third semester of it, I was like, hey, man, you're not showing me how to be the happiest, most thriving, joyous version of myself. You're focused on the hardwiring of the brain as applied to capitalistic endeavors like industrial management. No, they were so it was in the days of when psychology was wanting to be a hard science and prove itself. And so I was meanwhile, I had chosen a university that had unbeknownst to me before, it was a totally intuitive approach. I filled in the logic of what they required for SAT, blah, blah, blah. But it was an intuitive approach because as I was there, I found that they had a Buddhist pagoda hidden out in the mountains. It was in Amherst, the Happy Valley as it's called. And the first book written by an American on mindfulness came out of that university. So I was, it was a good fit. My first semester there, actually I took yoga. So I was already opening up to the holistic approach. And so I graduated, went to San Francisco and started to work. I was going there for a master's in creative writing. Cause that was ultimately what I ended up with. So blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is I ended up working synchronistically in politics to protect the environment. I was working on campaigns and the federal and the state of California elections and got the first Latina woman elected to the California state assembly who saved the last patch of green. It was good, but it was highly stressful, Chris. And so I learned to meditate because I was walking in a bookstore in San Francisco, recognizing that I needed some support because the stress was a little intense. I was, I had so much success. I was such a natural at this work. So I was put in the most intense races for the general elections as I was needing some help. And so a book fell off a shelf, feels more like it leapt off a shelf and dropped at my feet and I couldn't walk any further. And it was That's the med- universe speaking to you, right? I know. <laughs> so it was on meditation. So I picked it up and within it, it was such a natural fit that I ended up teaching it pretty soon, like a year and a half into learning how to meditate. So then the election season ends, I go overseas, I travel for six months, I come back to the States, get my master's to follow suit in that political field of getting people elected to positions with a right legislation that will protect the environment. So my master's was in public administration and public policy focused on environmental policy. And when I get out, I was looking at, so where is most change going to happen? Where's the most change going to happen? And it wasn't So I was looking at like inside the system, outside the system, NGOs or working in like a local EPA or the federal EPA and nothing felt right. Nothing fit. Nothing was like that kind of wall thing where there's a sense of force and it's not coming together with a seamless grace and ease. So it didn't seem to have that sense of being meant to be with me there. Yes. Okay. So I reevaluated and also recognized and really got it intuitively that if I'm going to be working now in getting the planet to shift out of its reliance on fossil fuels, it's not ready to shift. Look at the marketplace. Look at the, it's just too dominating, dominated. 
by the fossil fuels. And Gore, at the same time, ironically, had shifted out of politics and started touring with his An Inconvenient Truth that won him the Nobel Peace Prize. So I went into relying on my bachelor's in English literature and went into the classroom. And at that same time, I picked up my first energy medicine modality. So keep in mind, I had been teaching meditation and meditating at this point for five or six years. Then I picked up my first energy medicine modality and that was a, such a natural fit. I began as I taught in the public school system, running energy medicine sessions and holistic health and wellness. I was also getting trained as an herbalist alongside my classroom teaching. And eventually had like clubs where I taught the kids to meditate and especially the boys. That's who, awesome. They were getting labeled ADD and ADHD. And this is before Ritalin even came out, but they came. No, this is before ADD and ADHD came out as a diagnosis, but they already had the Ritalin. Do you remember those days? I do. Definitely. Yeah, I was at an inner city school where the boys tend to get those labels more often than not. So, yeah, I was becoming increasingly steeped in the holistic model. In, in San Francisco, I, I bought a book on the I Ching and I learned about reading the I Ching. And that's ancient Taoist philosophy, as ancient as it goes. And so I was becoming increasingly steeped in the holistic model. And at the same around the time of being a school teacher for two and a half years, in running energy medicine sessions and holistic wellness sessions alongside my classroom teaching, I was sitting there with my hands over a client and just asking, okay, how can I get even more robust results for my clients? And at that same time, I was aware that this sense of adventure, travel and, and abundance and joy and fun and aliveness was getting like squeezed and that wasn't okay with me. I felt like I was looking at being in a cage for like about 30 years of a profession ahead of me. And I wasn't making ends meet. I had barely any, thankfully, student loans from my master's because I worked all the way through it. I asked what else is possible and found the international school system and did what I had to do to get interviewed at the main event where all the heads of schools come in from around the world, got a bunch of job offers, chose the one over in Taiwan, the small democratic Chinese island where they follow traditional Taoist and Chinese philosophies where they're free to, because it's not mainland. So I went there to learn from not only where I saw the seat of ancient wisdom about holistic health and wellness, i.e. how energy flows, how consciousness works, yoga and meditation is India, but this is Buddhism over there with meditation. And then there ancient Chinese practices of acupuncture, reflexology, Qigong, and they're still operating from it. It's not like in the Which West. Is amazing, yeah. We had some of this wisdom in the West or much of this wisdom in the West too, but it was with the alchemist and then it went underground after the enlightenment to like the secret societies and the mystery schools. So it wasn't like the ancient wisdom was gone. It was still organizing even the society. And I, I go into this in great detail in my first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong? And so I know that one of the things I talk about, so what if there's nothing wrong? Let's just look at that title. The, the biggest book in the Western medical system is the list of psychological disorders, right? Yeah, it's pretty big. It is. It's the biggest text out of any book for Western medical training, What, no matter what you're going into, what specialty you're going into. And it's full of what's wrong. And the basic Buddhist tenet is every human mind is neurotic. Here are the tools to work with your own particular flavor of neuroses. I like that. Your own flavor of neuroses. <laughs> That's for me. <laughs> That's great. So I, thanks. <laughs> but I'm glad I could make you laugh. And so it feels like, let me fast forward here too. I'm a personal trainer as well. I'm a Qigong teacher. I eventually got certified in it. I went over to India during my last year in between the semesters. I was a teacher and administrator at this point over in the international school to get my yoga teacher training and certification in India. And so it just feels like there's this focus in the West, the medical system on if the bottom line current is profit, you can extrapolate from there. So I come back here and I have all of this training and I had written my for that first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong, my last year over there starting as my dissertation. I have a PhD as a holistic life coach. I also have that personal trainer certification and recently got 
uh, specialty certification as a behavioral change specialist. And that sounds interesting. It is. And so I've been I've been piecing together this question of how do I be the happiest, most thriving, joyous version of myself and how do I help others do that in the planet thrive ever since my late teens. And so my life's work and mission is that. And yet it's also I came back understanding the the way that the East I'm going to just do a sweeping generalization, excuse me, the way that the East has this sense of energy, feeling, trumps physical, that the quantum physics world has come out with saying that energy is before something, it becomes a particle and collapses the wave, that wave, as everything exists at the subatomic level, is energy. So there's a basic Chinese, traditional Chinese medical tenant from Taoist philosophy, and it's where qi goes, blood follows. And qi is another way to say prana, like we do in yoga. Life energy, yeah. Literally translated as vital life force energy. Good, yeah. This is a teacher in me. Very good. (laughs) Very interesting, though, that it takes us four words in English. Vital life force energy. It's one syllable in Chinese, qi. It's Mm. two in Hindu or Sanskrit, prana. It's one in Japanese, ki, as in reiki. It's one in Egyptian, ka. So the vital life force energy, how it flows through the body and what happens when it doesn't flow through the body and how it gets moved through the body has been really the in-depth studying I've had. And I've ended up a specialist in subtle energy. But if where chi goes, blood follows. So if we're ener- vital life force energy, or let's shorten it to where energy goes, blood follows, meaning where energy goes, then the physical manifests in that form, in that place. And for anything, let's go reverse. If for anything to exist in matter, it has to first exist in energy. What moves the energy? And that's the focus of our consciousness. And that's where meditation comes in. So I created this system eventually being back here working with Americans again after all of this training and, and my harshest cultural shock was when I got back here after 10 years. I'll never forget the first I time. Bet. I was like, yeah, thanks for saying that. I'll never forget the first time I was with a client and she used the phrase, I better just figure it out. I had to go. It was like I was, I don't know how many seconds there were in that pause, but I was going back until it felt like the echoes of my mind to find the part of me that would have ever said a phrase like figure it out. Because I always have had this intuitive guidance that I've listened, I've learned to listen to like three times maybe by my late teens, I had it. And I saw the mayhem that got, that ensued when I didn't listen to my intuition. So yeah, so I, I have this mission and I'm, my masterminders call me a pioneer and a maverick that I there is this sense of extra, I have the sense of there is additional extra unnecessary, any of those words, suffering in the West, because we tend to run from the back, what, what I call the back of the house consciousness, the unconscious, the subconscious, as if there's a boogeyman or a monster under the bed, or as if we're going to go into our crazy. And the last thing we want to do is that we have our and this is, it comes in my Catholic clients throughout the years, whether practicing or just grew up at, as a Catholic, have this as one of the worst cultural, I'm going to call Catholicism a culture, one of the worst cultural conditionings it, it, where it's just not safe. There's fear and you must go to a priest instead of working with it yourself. It's this, and then it also manifests as a really unique fear of using their intuitive power. So... The bottom line here is learning how to go within in what the, the, the specific techniques to first work with a sense of learning how to work with your thoughts, manage your ego mind, and then move beyond. It's not linear because at the same time, I'm in the vibration upgrade system that I created, I'm clearing out the unconscious and subconscious blocks in the chakra system. So that there is, that's cutting the mind-body connection. I go into this in great depth in my first book. It's cutting the mind-body connection. So where you're meeting somebody or where you have a boss and that boss just, every time you see them, your body goes tight, you contract. 
that's a mind-body connection due to something that's happened before, whether it's that boss or it's your original authority figure in this lifetime. So if we're going about our daily life making choices, we're only hearing 15% of what makes us choose what we do, what makes us avoid what we avoid, what makes us not even catch in our peripheral vision other options or possibilities or pathways. So 15%, yeah. And that's this is a generous estimate. I go into this in my third and fourth books a lot. That's pretty significant. It, it is because then that means 85% comes from the unconscious and the subconscious. And that's where, so an example of this is if you're driving a car and you're learning to drive it, you do say out loud, put your foot on the brake, switch into reverse, put your foot on the gas. But once you've mastered it, you don't say these things out loud anymore. It goes back into the subconscious. Well, so does trauma. Our ego mind given to us to structure physical life to keep us safe. So when I'm over in Asia and I see a pear, I'm out, I see something new. I see an Asian fruit that's new to me. It's tropical. My mind doesn't go into knowing what it is with its label because the mind only goes with the labels based on what it already knows. So if I see an exotic fruit, my mind goes, oh, this looks like something I already know, pear. And I'm in Asia. Let's call it an Asian pear. So there's so much more capacity and there's so much more to access than when we function from our model here in the West of it's just our intellectual mind and it's just the thoughts that we can hear. And even therapy like, I don't believe that psychotherapy is very functional because from what I see, this, the talk therapy just reinforces energy. It locks down more energy into the same pathway. So that's the same neurological pathway. That's the same then, therefore, physiological pathway. And that's the same energetic pathway. So it carves something in stone even more. It locks it down. It makes it even more solid and real and harder to redirect through meditation meditation practice come off of them therefore physiologically and cut the mind-body connection of or from so there's all this other capacity and i don't nowadays use this like i used to work with brain tumors and cancer and colon cancer and back pain chronic pain just like all sorts of health issues when i first came back and it wasn't fun <laughs> it was really heavy so that was if you if you like this that was more dematerializing matter so breaking up what had already become materialized. And when we're working with energy, if something has already become physicalized, then it's, it's a, it takes a lot more subtle energy. Yeah, so that so would make sense. That would take be more difficult to break up. Than, you get it. Because it's yeah. like I give the equation, subtle energy plus subtle energy plus subtle energy. Yeah. Shift. yeah. But when we catch it at the conscious level, consciousness, I don't mean conscious mind, but when it's only in consciousness or it's also only in emotions, or it's in spirit, because a chakra is the intersection of the mind, body, and spirit. And I can access past life stuff and karmic stuff. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars and years learning how to clear karma. It's a very intricate game. Wow, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> That's new. So how did you learn about the chakras and how to work with them? Oh, I was already doing it before I left for Asia. And then I was going out on a daily basis when I lived in Asia, whether it was in Taiwan when I was there and it was nighttime after the gym or it was the weekends and I get treatments, traditional Chinese treatments like Tui Na massages or reflexology and I'd, or acupuncture and I'd ask them questions. And so I was learning about how, and then I got trained in Qigong. I think it was my first or even second year there during break in Thailand. And so... I learned, I was learning increasingly about how energy flows and I had already learned about the chakras in the West in America before I left. So I started to piece together some new understandings. And I was also a, a weight trainer. I had been a weight, my first semester in college, I took yoga as an elective. My second semester in college, I took weight training as an elective. So I was very also focused on the body. I wasn't just all up in the head about consciousness and the mind and spirituality. It was very much about grounding the energy and how does energy flow in our body and how do we thrive with the utmost health, the mind, body, and spirit? So I, I was learning stuff to answer that question. And really and, holistic, right? Not just spiritual or mind and got to look at the body too. Yeah, completely holistic. When I've been interviewed on 
other interviewer by other interviewers like on summit to interview a lot of people about the chakras i frequently hear wow you have the most unique take on the chakra system i've ever heard because i do that body part so if you have a belief that for example you may have a thyroid issues and if you do it's the throat chakra centrally involved because every chakra covers an endocrine gland and every so the I don't want to teach too much in depth. If you have a thyroid issue, it's connected to the throat chakra. What could be happening if the chakra is a wheel, means wheel and it's supposed to turn that vital life force energy? And if it doesn't, then you end up with blockages at the mind, body, and spirit level because it's the intersection of the mind, body, and spirit. So you might have a tight neck. You might have a blocked thyroid. You might have difficulty speaking up for yourself. You might lie a lot. You might be lied to a lot. You might tell little white lies. You might, that's all communication, but there's this whole second yeah. level to the throat chakra that's involved that isn't typically talked about. I, I've been focusing on it increasingly since 2016 because of the grand shift that my second book is primarily about from 2012 to 2032. I'll go back to that in a minute if you want. But the, the aspect of being able to choose, being able to see you have possibilities not feeling like I have to work at this corporate job I hate and dry out my spirit and juice for life because I have to have my kids insured and this is the only way to do it. So I must sacrifice. And so that when choice is involved, because creativity is the throat chakra and the idea of co-creating our lives with our guidance, our intuitive guidance or our higher self above the crown chakra in source or however you define or frame that divine source energy so that co-creation happens primarily through the throat chakra the throat chakra has really come online and become increasingly important since about 2016 i realized that i was dealing with what i call a co-creators channel around 2016 between the heart chakra and throat chakra and i had never seen it before almost all of my clients when i was over their systems they were on a body on they were on a massage table and i was over their body in the fifth and the fourth chakras, the heart and the throat had this opening, almost like a channel. Really? And I kind of, yeah, it was a pattern for sure. It's and not I, something you saw before. No, it was becoming open. It was becoming activated, so to speak. Yeah. What does that mean? So it seems like, all right. So I did this radio show when I got back in 2010, 2011 or so voice, 2011 voice America approached me to do a radio show on the Mayan galactic alignment on December 21st that was coming up in 2012 at that time. And I was doing nothing whatsoever. I wasn't out there like that movie groovy kind of stuff. I was working with spiritual awakening and holistic health and wellness at that time in my business. And I was a little bit surprised and I talked with them and I said, okay, give me 48 hours. I listened. It was a big billboard size neon letter. Yes. And so I did it and ended up interviewing weekly different experts that not only were the scientists who had created what few machines we have to measure subtle energy, but also the experts talking about what December 21st, 2012 meant. What I came to understand from going, from doing this, and I also ended up being a yoga teacher and meditation teacher and energy medicine specialist on a cruise with all these other people to Chichen Itza, the main Mayan ruin where they had drawn up the calendar on December 21st, 2012. And it was such a big deal. There were so many TV crews there. I got reports that I was seen on TV as far away as Poland. It was a big deal, December 21st, 2012 down there. And they were talking about how this is the end of an old era. And even in Yogi Bhajan says this, it's the end of one yuga and the beginning of a new yuga, the Kali Yuga. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't. So there's a couple of different cultures that talk about this shift. It's not just the Mayans. So when I went in their ancient predictions from looking at the stars and, and the Mayans were considered like really advanced in their understanding of astronomy. So without closing down any information that seems relevant, I opened up to this information and it's come to be termed 2012 to 2032 is humanity's spiritual awakening time. Okay. So I went to the Maya, later I take a lot of VIP clients to the Mayan ruins and then I lead retreats over to the stone circles in, in the UK. That's all in my most recently released book. But the Mayan ruins I went to for the equinox on, in 2019, I 
we've got a guide, hired a local guide. And I asked him after working with this concept for years now, what do you think the difference is between the old era, the old paradigm and the new one that's just coming in now? And he said, the old one is the one is about destruction and the new one's about construction. So I was like, okay. But when I was teaching, I, I developed a course called Global Psychology when I was teaching at the International School in Taiwan before I ended up teaching AP Psych. And I used text from the Dalai Lama's, he had biannual summits at the time with uh, Western, mostly American scientists. That's not true. They're actually a fair amount of Europeans, scientists, psychologists, and that was mostly at scientists and psychologists. And out of those texts, came the first measurement of did you ever see the picture of the monk with the electrodes on his head no i have not pretty famous was on the cover of time um back like in 20 i don't know 11 12 or 13. and so the first studies about the effects of meditation on the mind came out of these summits oh gotcha Mm between the Dalai Lama and his Tibetan monks talking about the effects of meditation that they've known throughout their ancient wisdom, talking with a group of scientists to then measure it. And so this took place at the University of Madison in Wisconsin, primarily, and then also at, I think it's the University of California, I think it was San Diego, also has a pretty prominent, not San Diego, I'm not going to quote the second one. It's in my first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong, all of this stuff. So I'm saying this, though, because why am I saying this? So I used it in this course that I would teach using the Dalai Lama's text from the meetings, these summits. We ended up working within either an English unit, English literature unit or the psych course. Ask, and I asked the question because of what we were working on in the material. Are humans inherently good or evil? So I gave the kids extra credit and they went home. And I also did some research that night myself and within the Dalai Lama's text. And we came back the next day, they gave all their answers. We had a great talk. And then I came in with what the Dalai Lama said. He said, on that question, are human beings inherently good or evil? And he said, we wouldn't still be here if humans were inherently evil, because we, you may bake the bread in a village and I may make the clothes and Mary may raise the sheep and Mike may make the metal, but we all end up working together for life. So I came to understand when that Mayan guide flashing forward to 2019 said the old era of destruction, the old era was of destruction, this new one is of construction. Another way to say that is the focus of this new era is collaboration, cooperation. I think construction is building too, isn't it? Building something together. And we do that through our choices and our choices get made by our throat chakra. Encourage at the throat chakra. But intuitive guidance doesn't only happen when people first start looking into energy. And part of my mission is to professionalize the field, making never calling it energy work, but always saying energy medicine and recognizing that there are techniques in the subtle energy system and in consciousness that if we do them, you get a predictable result. And if you want A, then we go to this technique And you get result A over and over again, replicable. For example, a lot of people think that intuitive guidance comes in from the third eye, the sixth shot. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like all those YouTube videos, open the third eye. And that was really big around 2012, 2013, 2014 and 15 ish. I see also, I understand that guidance comes in when our heart uplifts, when we're happy and uh, joyous and open the heart. So so the higher vibrating emotions do maybe and... I don't want to go that far. No, no. I just want to, that's a whole nother beast. And we can talk about that, but just when your heart, when you look at a possibility, Chris, and you see, I could go to that workshop or I could have that person as my podcast guest, or I could read this interview, or I, I could go to this country for my next holiday. And your heart, when you when you see that opportunity, when you see that choice and your heart lightens up, That's the beginning of the co-creators channel that I came to see in 2016. So the heart gives you the guidance and then you have the courage and make the choice from the throat chakra and learning how to do that more and more as we co-create the world together is what we're basically up to. So all those emotions you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's more the sacral chakra and the guidance of the rich emotions that we each feel. There's more like it's data and binding 
than it is immediate guidance, unless it's fair to not go in that jungle across that street. So uh, let me see another way to say that. So if a woman comes to me and she has difficulty speaking up for herself because she was told to be seen and not heard and little girls are supposed to be pretty and, and dresses and to be admired and looked at. And she spent her life contorting her body to be thin, beautiful, what is known as thin in her culture and beautiful and ends up not with an eating disorder. Let's not go into a disorder that we can look up in that big, huge book of disorder or psychological disorders. Let's just say she has a weirdness with food and she works out strenuously and she doesn't really like her body. She's always criticizing when her girlfriends think her body's beautiful. They go out and her girlfriends always comment on how beautiful she looks. She's doing that unconsciously because of the conditioning from learning what her father appreciated learning what girls were supposed to be for and imprints because if her father was able to say that it's most likely the mother was that do you know what i mean yeah yeah so that's also parental imprints and then we could go so far as to talk about this woman's spirit but let's not do that because we're talking about emotions so here is this woman her whole life possibly stuffing down her emotions or when or, or checked out not recognizing that she's not really allowing herself to appreciate her body. So sex is hard for her. Orgasms are hard for her. Intimacy is hard for her because she has a general positioning of, I'm not meant to enjoy my body. I'm meant to abuse my body in order to look pretty. So then I would go in and do clearings around that unconsciousness. And then as that is clearing, it's a yarn ball, a family of entangled beliefs. Other ones will come out. And so it's a process to get actual behavioral change, that then once she's had enough of these cleared, I can then coach her in an applied mindfulness. And when I say applied, I mean in a way that helps her, if the mind-body connection's cut, she's no longer unconscious about these choices. She's no longer unconscious about what she's doing to her body. She's no longer unconscious about how she's been shutting down her feeling life. And so we can start to coach her in the mindfulness as she's going about her day-to-day -day life with, let's say, her now husband who wants to have intimacy and she pushes him away. And instead of doing that, working with the mindfulness to gradually allow herself to, to let her body be appreciated and enjoyed rather than twisted, okay. and forced. So is it becoming more of in a conscious, conscious way too, that she's more aware of these things and... Yeah, but I want to make this an important point, Chris, because mindfulness has become, particularly since COVID, a real buzzword. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So it's not this everyday mindfulness. Like I was frankly being interviewed by somebody and she talked about, yeah, I ate an apple yesterday and it was really yummy. And I was really mindful about how that I was eating an apple. I was really mindful while I was eating the apple and I was happy for that. And I was thinking, okay, man, I got to find another way to say this mindfulness. <laughs> it's like how I see it in getting actual behavioral change from a holistic perspective where we're dealing with every aspect that influences us to be who we are and making the choices we are and we're not is I have to cut the mind-body connection that's at the... So I have to go to the unconscious. I have to deal with the karma and the imprints and the past lives and the conditioning from this life and the conclusions and the beliefs that are unconscious. So the subconscious takes the trauma, the unconscious, right? It takes yes. the, the beliefs and such. So uh, working with the, all the levels of consciousness here so that we can reach our full human potential. So before I can get to that level of mindfulness and bring it to her conscious awareness, I have to deal, I have to clear out that unconscious. And I use energy medicine for that rather than spending months and months talking and talking and talking about it. Just get right to it, cut it, and don't talk about it until I get to more of the clearings and until she's ready to be mindful of it and actually make use of, yeah. So, so I guess from your perspective, and I think we talked too before I hit record that, so you think the vibrational upgrades, this energy system, so this would be helpful for mental health therapists too, to try to integrate this into therapy? It'd be so much quicker. And I've had, as you said, we talked about this before. Yeah, yeah. We got on. I've had throughout the years so many different 
licensed mental health counselors, uh, psychologists, coaches just come to me to learn a new. It just sounds fascinating. Story. You know, it, it, it really is. I mean, and if you are that kind of a student, I am a really good person to teach you this stuff because I'm fascinated by it as well as you can probably. Especially from all your experiences with studying in Asia and all the trainings you've had. It sounds like you've really done your homework and integrated so much of this together. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. But to be able to communicate to a Western intellectual. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But in such depth, like I frankly have had a lot of my masterminders hang around with me renewing again and again and again, saying to I just can't find somebody else who has the broad spectrum, but can go into depth with the stuff that you can, like from my body to supplements, to my mind, to my karma. It's, it's fun. I can tell you're passionate too. So this is your path, isn't it? Where you are today is, is where you're meant to be. Well, I believe that I started with that. I don't normally do interviews yeah. back to age 12. And my mom said that to me on a swing out in my backyard. You, you're really good with understanding people. You should become a psychologist. I don't typically do that on interviews. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I would say considering you're doing a new podcast, that's more your path. Yeah, I'm living my path. And in any if I would veer off of it, though, you got to keep in mind, too, my my system wouldn't really let me after like 22, age 20. I just I just surrendered to my guy because I've always had oh, okay. this bigger mission. Like my dad said to me, Allison, not many people pick up and live for a decade in Asia. I'm like, OK, I this guess is true. I, but I didn't really get that at the time because I was just doing it. I was just listening to my guidance and being me and living my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I know you mentioned the internal guidance and, and hearing some things, some intuition. So do you think a lot of people are blocked with that, with a lot of these past traumas and other issues? And Yes. And the doubting, doubting. and okay. the self-doubt and not knowing the textural difference, the tonal difference between here's my mind intellectually, mechanically working to get a logical point from A plus B equaling C. And then here's what intuition feels like. There's a textural tonal difference. And so they feel like, am I just, the typical questions I see in my students, my mastermind is getting trained is, am I making this up? Is this just my imagination? That's like the first level question. Okay, so the doubt. But then where I spend even more time clearing and teaching and, and, and instructing and guiding and mentoring is having the, the courage to actually follow the guidance. <laughs> That's the truth, right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean to make it sound like such a dare, like truth the dare, dare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I double dog dare you. But it is kind of, it is kind of like, I don't know if you want to live the most vibrant possible for life and, and be fulfilled. You do it through your guidance. I have a big, I don't want to say bigger, but I have a particular mission here. So I'm a bit different. You know, people look for like, where were you struggling? Like when I first started doing interviews and I had a new PR person, she came on saying, you, you have to have a story that people can relate to of your journey, your struggle point that made you become who you are. And I'm like, I don't have that. Contorting it out of that. Yeah. <laughs> and again, so my, in my business coach for years has been like, you push the pain points. And I'm like, but I don't want to give any, because the other majors I did between psychology and English literature were mass communications and advertising. And then a political and social, it was called social thought, political economy. So then I ended up in English literature, studying humans and society through an art form after having done that with the previous majors. And so I didn't, when I first was taught by an Indian professor at my undergraduate school, it was a brilliant undergrad. He was saying how the commercials would target, everybody knows this by now listening, the commercials would target if you're if this is a show that's a soap opera, so that's going to be a lot of women at home, housewives are going to market dish soap and laundry detergent and how much that forms our conditioning. It's unreal. Oh, God, it, yes. such an impression on me, True. you know? And so, yeah, there's, I don't even remember why I was saying that, but the bachelor's degree I, I ended up with, I, I, had, I walked away with an impression of Jesus. Do we have a lot of forces working against us in order to be our most genuine daring self? <laughs> Yes, we do. But don't you think too, with the intuition guidance and internal guiding that there's doubt, but then you got to get to that place of trust. So trusting it. I'm so grateful you're saying this because I have this sense I've gained over the last couple of years, really looking at social media and more and more people now online talking about this. 
because I had been educating about this in a, uh, with every single piece of social media I posted from 2010 onward about the need to work with consciousness and how much more potential you can reach if you do go within and then spiritual awakening times. And then it hit mass or threshold around 2017-ish, 18-ish. And I started to say, oh, okay. So what can I, what, where, how do I shift now? And I see the memes coming out like trust, just trust yourself, trust your guidance, surrender. And I don't find them helpful because people in really knowing the tr- nuggets, the nuances of this path, if you hear surrender at a time when you're not, and you, you need to ha- learn, you're in the midst of learning the courage to take action, to follow through on your guidance, it's not surrender, it's take action. So like these memes that make people think I just have to st- let go of control more, at some stages on the path, hell no, you need to be front and center, conscious, mindful in your body and leading your life absolutely in control, but in co-creation with your higher self and source. So there's so many different nuances and you could say, well, Allison, isn't that surrender? At one stage of it, when you're first totally ego mind driven and have done no work with your higher self or with your intuition, yes, it is all about surrender, but then it becomes like, there's the aspect of channeling that has been done in the field of psychic work. And so some people will leave their bodies and become a trance medium. And when listening to the intuition on behalf of somebody else, you don't want to leave your body. You want to be present, perceiving and with the person in front of you while able to receive the intuitive guidance. So you're that much more effective. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's true. Yeah. So I find like these social media memes just so misleading. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about trust. Yes. Yeah. Connecting with that. But you got to be in the right place at the right time. You have to have done some work. and Yeah. And have some, and ha- it's so funny because I have my masterminders who've stayed with me like four years and they'll say, Allison, I finally get what you mean by that. And I had been saying it to them for four years and it takes on a new meaning like year two after they've made more progress. And then year three, after they become a different person and I'm working with more clients now. And then year four, when they've really started to work with the earth and its energy flows, not just themselves, clients, but now they're at what's called the dragon master level in vibration upgrade. And they're working with the earth's energy flows. So these same basic teachings become more penetrative, the further along you go in your understanding. But the trust aspect, just to help you out, if you don't already know this, it's the fourth chakra in part, but what kind of trust are you talking about? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Trust in source, trust that you're hearing the right thing, trust in yourself to be able to follow through because those are all different chakras. Yeah, so I guess determining where the trust is coming from and might be part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a real in-depth training and it's fascinating because it's really reliable. One of the tenets is the left side of the body is receiving, the right side of the body is giving. And I God bless Louise Hay. She broke wide open. <laughs> opened. But those metaphorical interpretations that people have, like when they look up, what does it mean when my foot's aching? Well, it means you don't want to walk. You're resistant to moving forward. That metaphorical interpretation, the body totally is that simple and metaphorical with its dis-ease, but it's less reliable, I have found, than understanding the chakra, the typical blocks within a chakra, that is a really consistent roadmap, not only to clearing out or dematerializing what has become materialized, but to living up to one's fullest potential consistently over and over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what's a takeaway that you could share today that could help listeners who might be just starting their holistic journey and maybe just wanting to explore different holistic means and modalities. I feel like there's so many different teachers out there talking about this now. And I see a lot of people piecing piecing it together from different teachers. And I did some of that in the beginning. But if you want a really in-depth one-stop shopping, you want to work with me, frankly. I've never said that out loud in this self-promotional way. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You got to stand in your truth. Thanks, Chris. But it it really is like to know there's this whole system full of techniques to do within consciousness and within the subtle energy system and to really learn it in depth rather than piece it together or patch it together here and there. I wouldn't use it at all unless you understand it, frankly, because you could get yourself in trouble. That makes sense. However, 
here's a great way to help yourself redirect your in starting with working with neuroplasticity and working with creating new neurological pathways and then new physiological pathways. Let's say you do hear you're conscious enough and mindful. You have enough detachment. You've done enough work that you can actually observe your thoughts. And so in that spaciousness an observer role, you observe a thought that makes you con contract, makes you uncomfortable. Oh, you could say to it, so first, that's acknowledging it. Second is, is that even true? That's the redirect starting, the redirect off of making something solid and real that your mind's randomly thinking or from an old wound, for example, or old conditioning, and you're just making choices unconsciously and your system's being run by that, which is the way most people are until they start this work. So is that even true? Talking back to your thought. Third one okay, so how does it get any better than this? Complete redirect. Fourth, what else is possible? Ask that question. That's a great question. Because now that question, nature abhors a vacuum. So when you ask a question, instead of walking around acting and proving like you know everything, like I've sounded during this interview. You <laughs> so know it all, don't you? By asking, by, you know, because we're so taught in school. Okay, let me raise my hand. Yeah. yeah. Asking a what else is possible, asking a question helps because there is our own field, which I call a localized consciousness. And if our chakras are all open after all of this work and, and uh, emanating out the vortices that they each are supposed to have in front of them, your field's then created. And then the greater field that is of the Tao or the Chi running through the trees and the animals and our planet, that's the greater field. And so when we ask a question from our own, I want to say activated and aligned, opened field to the greater field, where it's becoming increasingly unlimited in its possibilities. We're in such new, unprecedented times now that that's really how you blow it all up. <laughs> but I can really connect with that question, though. I think that that could really help a lot of people on their journey to, to really be open. It's what I asked that got me over to Asia now to teaching in the public school system here in the States this isn't okay with me. I, 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 I want more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good reflection. So what's the best way for listeners to find you and learn more about you? The vibrational. So my website's called vibrationalupgrade.com. And Chris and I were talking ahead of time about the best way for you listeners, because this is a very specific audience. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I want to offer you all something different that I don't ever offer on a I'm actually making sure I'm authentic and saying that I really don't ever offer this on summits. I might, but not on an, a podcast. So I have a team set up of people trained in vibrational upgrade system and they do 45 minute calls to field people to see and help with what you're desiring and what support I, and we can give you and direct you accordingly that's called an open the drawbridge call. So if you go to my website, vibrationalupgrade.com, and you see the work with me tab, drop it down, drop down menu says programs. And then from any of those, you can access the open the drawbridge call. You'll see how to book a 45 minute one-on-one -on -one call with one of my team members. That's very generous. Thanks. I mean, it's Thank always you. there. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's always there, but it takes people a while to find out that that's something we do. So I just oh, wanted okay. to... Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I just wanted to put that front and center because I, I historically have had a lot of licensed mental health counselors that want to know the holistic model. I did. That's what led me to finding it. It's not enough. True. Western training, it just isn't enough nowadays to be able to deal with what people are fielding. Toxicity in our food and what their hormonal system is doing because of it, and then all the other. The spirit is so strong. I, I see when people choose to come in to work with me, for example, let's say that they've been having a money issue and they're coming into my signature program, Magic Manifestation and Money Flow. And this is a woman in Colorado owned a brick and mortar. Uh, let me give you this example owned a brick and mortar clothing store, hadn't had much um, business, knew it was something to do with what she was thinking and believing and wanted to get work done on it. So she gets on an open the drawbridge call and hadn't had any customer in that day. And so she gets off the, she joins. She's like, if I want something different, I have to do something different. So she threw it down on her credit card, hung up the phone. And within an hour, a woman 
I'm assuming it's a woman, I don't know. A person came into the store, first one that day, a customer, and bought over a grand worth of clothing. And oh my when, goodness. Yeah, I had the same reaction. I'm like, is that normal? I mean, are you a high-priced boutique? <laughs> She's no. So that paid for a third of the program already within an hour. That's incredible. I'm saying that because, yeah, um, yeah. frankly, it's because I'm so aligned and I, I'm so blessed that that's, I do a program that actually gives blessings as part of my, when I do an activation, it's blessings are included. So people definitely benefit. Like I did a surprise money clearing two weeks ago and by four days later, the woman, uh, another woman had received 8,000. in my Lord. I know. But at the same time, I'm opening people up. That's true. Doing certain to open up the receptivity, right? But this woman was fresh on that one call. But why I'm saying this is because her soul from her spirit made such a command. I will have something different. And she said, okay, took action and invested in herself, shifted her so much. Right, right. Without me doing any clearings on her, that she then had that customer come in because she was making a clarion call for what she wants to have. So there is so much more to our systems. So powerful, isn't it? That our stories, the soul, the spirit, it is so powerful and it is becoming increasingly so in one be in these times. So to just limit ourselves to a Western intellectual understanding, we all know it's not enough now. That's why we're together. That's why we're here with the Holistic Counseling Podcast. Indeed. For sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing all this today, Alison. This is a definitely a different perspective and a different way of using holistic medicine because I had not heard a lot of this. So this is great. Yeah, it's different, isn't it? I they love said, it. The mirror. Yeah. And I thank my listeners for tuning in today. And I hope you're able to connect with the content and be able to apply that into your practice. And I will put in the show notes, the information, if you need to reach out to Dr. Allison, if you want more information, just remember to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And again, this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you some light and love. Until next time, take care. If you're loving the show, will you rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We just started this and that helps other people find this show. Also, if you're feeling uncertain about your modalities and you want to build your confidence to be your unique self, I want you to join my free email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor, over at holisticcounselingpodcast.com. In my Becoming a Holistic Counselor course, you'll get tips for adding integrative care into your practice, what training you need and don't, and the know-how to attract your ideal holistic clients. If this sounds like the direction you are headed, sign up at holisticcounselingpodcast.com. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.